Before we get started, I invite you to bow your heads and join with me in a word of opening prayer. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this chance to be here in your house, to be here in your presence, to know that wherever two or more of us are gathered, there you will be. And so, loving God, knowing that you are here with us right now, may this indeed be a time of worship and praise. Whether we are here in person, whether we are joining in online, loving God, make this indeed holy ground and this time holy we may fully give ourselves over to your worship and praise, that we may hear the clarion call of your word, that we may be transformed by your grace and your presence. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. We have a special thing uh, for y'all. Um, we have a wonderful, absolutely wonderful uh, children's ministry staff that often y'all don't get to meet because they are often working uh, when we are all worshiping. And so uh, without, with a little bit of luck, um, this eventually worked first service, uh, let us meet our children's ministry workers. Hi, I'm Melinda Munoz. Alexis Jason Jones. Hi, I'm Tina. Hi, my name is Lincoln Stolen. Hello, my name is Kaylin Cook. What I love about children is they are so innocent. They love everybody. They don't question you. They don't care whether you look different or act different. They love you no matter what. I love their imagination and their creativity. I love their creativity and their energy. Kids are always fun. <laughs> I love playing with them. And I like to make them happy. When they accomplish something, the big smile that they feel and they get and you can see just so much of appreciation and learning, and not only that, but learning from them, too. I love working with them. They are the great. They always smile and put a great face on. Because I, I have a little sister, you know, I miss playing with little kids. <laughs> so I thought it would be fun to watch them and play with them. I was like, well, I need to learn about the Bible and learn more about God and hear his words and what better way but to also try to teach it to children. Through my son, I think mostly, <laughs> he kind of opened me up more towards children and I made me realize how much I love kids. They asked me one day to come back here and volunteer and I fell in love with our children. Our children are our future and I can't help but give them knowledge about our Lord and our Savior. So if you see our, our children's team, uh, let them know how much uh, we appreciate them. We give you thanks. We give you thanks that you do indeed hold on to us. When we feel adrift, when we feel unworthy, when we feel unlovable, when we feel lost, we know that there indeed is something out there that can anchor us in. It is you. It is your love. It is your presence. It is your purpose in our lives. And God, we are deeply thankful for that, that we have you that we can rely on as the bedrock of our lives. And so, loving God, we come to you now with the things that are on our hearts, the things that are pulling us adrift, the things that are filling us with anxiety and fear and hurt and pain. In particular, we lift up an unspoken prayer request, knowing that even if I have no idea what this is, you know it deeply. And 
God. Uh, we pray that that situation may be resolved, that your comfort, your healing, your presence may be known. We lift up all of those who are going through the ministerial candidacy process as it is a deep uh, and challenging thing, but at the end of it is an answer to a calling on our hearts. And so, God, we pray for those we have um, in this process, that they may be able to navigate it, they may be able to find you in it, that they may be able to get where they need to go. We lift up Ray Kidd uh, from the Springfield congregation who continues to be in the hospital with COVID. God, we pray uh, for his healing. We pray particularly for his lungs that he may be able to breathe easy. We lift up John Hafner, who is continuing his long recovery, both from pneumonia um, and from a stroke. God, uh, we pray for your hand to rest upon him, heal him, set him right, make him whole again. We lift up our dear sister Tesney, as, who is home recovering from leg surgery. God, we give you thanks for that surgery. But God, we pray that she continues to heal and recover from it. And God, we lift up uh, Sandra, who is asking for prayers uh, for pancreatic cancer. God, we have been praying for Sandra uh, for, uh, for a while now. God, we pray uh, for your healing to rest upon her. God, we also lift up all of those who are suffering from this, in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. God, we pray for their healing. God, we pray your protection also be with us. God, we pray that your healing may be with this world, that all may be set right, that this season may end, and that a new and better life is on the other side of it. But God, we lift up those who are sick, suffering from COVID, that they may be made whole. And God, may we as your people be forever inspired by what you have done in our lives for the prayer, answered prayers that we have known, for the forgiveness and grace and second chances that we have received, that we may be propelled out into your world as your hands and feet, being who you need us to be in the world, instruments of your peace, telling the story of what you have done in our lives far and wide. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Now I'd like to invite the children to come forward uh, for a message uh, prepared uh, just for them. Howdy, friends. It's okay. You've heard this one before. Don't worry. It's different this time. It is. So I have a different question to ask you. Okay. Um, what is something that you are better at than other people? What is something that you are just better at? Might be something you had to practice. Might be something you were just born being good at. But what is something you are better at than other people? you have a particular talent or skill or gift or like subject in school that you're better at? Y'all think of something? What do you got? Drawing. Drawing. Okay, so you're better at drawing than most other people. Okay, cool. That's a good one. You're also, yeah, yeah we talked first. So you're also good at drawing. Jay, what's something you're good at? What's a talent that you have? Sure, or, or you certainly have a deep love, and you actually practice, which is, a, as I've told you before, it's a gift, because I like music too, but unlike you, I didn't practice, and I never got good at it. You are good. Yeah, you are practicing. You're doing great. You like teaching people music? So, these are all gifts from God, right? The things that we are good at that make us unique, that make us different than other folks, that we are good at and other folks may not be good at, and the other folks might be good at something that we're not good at. These are all gifts from God. And these are all things that God can use in us, God put in us, 
and God can use in us to help us make a difference for others, help us do something special in God's world. These are your gifts. So when you hear about like gifts and talents and gifts from God, these are some of your gifts and talents and gifts from God. So you guys pray with me? Take your hands like this, come together in your lap, bow your heads, close your eyes, repeat after me. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for making me special. Thank you for giving me gifts. Help us to use them for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good job, friends. You can return to your seats. Good job, buddy. Our scripture in this morning comes from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, uh, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This is God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, this is a, a scripture about the calling of a prophet. And pastors really love to give sermons on God's calling because it is a thing that we feel uniquely and unique and specially able to talk about because every pastor has to have a really well-defined story of how they got here. Uh, we talked, we prayed about the ministry candidacy process in our prayers to even begin the ministry candidacy process. You have to sit down with a whole bunch of people and tell them how God spoke to you. And so when we hear the story of the prophet Jeremiah, we go deep inside. I got this. I know this story. Let me tell you about it. I was late to church one day in college. I was sitting as far away from the front of the sanctuary as humanly possible, and God spoke to me. That is actually what happened. But as I bring up and do Bible studies and sermons on calling, I get this question over and over and over. It happened recently at Theology on Tap. We were uh, doing a scripture on calling, and there was some of the ministry team were there, and there were some like normal people, thank God for y'all, there as well. I don't only have to talk to pastors all the time. And when we did the stuff on calling, you know, Emily talks about, you know, Pastor Emily talks about being 13 in a YWAM con you know, conference, and Brandy talks about, you know, feeling like she'd be a pastor while sitting at her grandmother's knee. And then one of one of the members of our congregation spoke and said, None of that has ever happened to me. Do I have a calling? Great question. This is why pastors are bad people to talk to you about do sermons on calling. Because for a lot of us, whether it was early in life or midlife or late in life, we got that clarion call, that Jeremiah-like moment where we could hear God more clearly and it set us on, on this path. 
But for a lot of folks, that is just not how that story plays out. And it creates that very important question. Am I, am I called? God never spoke to me in an audible voice. God never put God's hand on my mouth. I never heard the voice of the Lord. I'm just bumbling my way through, trying to go do a job and care for a family and pay my taxes enough to not get arrested, right? Like we're just trying to stumble through life. Am I called? And so as we look at the scripture from Jeremiah today, I don't want us to think about what Jeremiah is called to do, because what Jeremiah is called to do is extreme. And he has to be able to hear the voice of God directly. That's the job of a prophet. But I want us to look at what this text, what this story of Jeremiah is being called, can tell us about the nature of calling for all of us. Whether it comes to us in some sort of audible voice, or it just feels like we're stumbling through life and hoping to God that we found it. Because at the core of this scripture is that God made us all with a purpose. And that then God gives us what we need to fulfill that purpose. Whether that purpose is being the prophet of the Lord or being the pastor of a church or being an accountant or being a good parent or being an artist or a teacher or a whatever. It is about God making us for a purpose and then God giving us what we need for that purpose and less about direct voices from God or not. Because Jeremiah, as I said, Jeremiah here needs to be able to hear directly from God. It's his job. The role of prophet was not like predictor of the future. The role of prophet in the Old Testament is to be the direct mouthpiece for God. Most of what the prophets say, and Jeremiah does here, begins with, thus says the Lord. I'm just the spokesman, right? The prophet is God's press secretary. He gathers the people around going, these are the notes from God today, right? And sometimes it's good news, and often it's not so good news. Jeremiah definitely needed to hear from God because what God made Jeremiah say, no one would want to say unless you have to. Because a lot of what Jeremiah has to say is like, look, y'all, you do not fix what you are doing. Your nation is going to fall and you are going to get taken into exile. Look, y'all, if you do not fix what you are doing, you are going to get sent to exile. And guess what? A, they didn't fix it. And B, they went into exile. So when we hear Jeremiah's calling, his calling is to be prophet. But I want us to hear again the words of, what is at, of how his call actually happens, because there are two statements in there, not just the one. This is verses uh, 4 and 5. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before he was born, God knew him. God formed him. God consecrated him. What he was formed and consecrated to do was be a prophet to the nations. But everyone is formed and consecrated, just 
Not everyone is consecrated to be a prophet to the nations. Those are two separate pieces of information from God. Long before any of us were born, God knew us. And God formed all of us. And God consecrated or blessed or loved each of us, putting something within all of us. And then we show up in the world with that consecration to do the thing that God put us on the earth to do. Some turn out to be prophets. Some turn out to be pastors. Some turn out to be godly anything else. Because if everyone were pastors, everything would fall apart. Pastors are not known for being good at counting um, or fixing um, or making um, or even pastoring sometimes. But it starts, Jeremiah starts, where we all start, being formed by God, known even before that, and consecrated for some godly purpose. His happened to be prophet to the nations. It's another thing about calling that keeps coming up over and over and over again. In the Old Testament, in life, it is people receiving a calling and going, no, I can't do that. Jeremiah does it in verses, in verses 6 through 8. Jeremiah gets this calling. What we just read, right? 3 through 4 is, I have this calling for you. And then Jeremiah goes, no, I don't think so. Then I said, ah, Lord, uh, Lord God, uh, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Jeremiah is not the only one that does this. If you think about Moses and that story of the burning bush, right? Moses is out tending the flocks of his flocks for his father-in-law. Uh, the burning bush says, hi, I am the Lord God. I want you to rescue my people from the hands of Pharaoh. I want you to free my people. I want you to perform miracles in my name. I want you to be my spokesman. And Moses says, yes, absolutely, let's do it. Nope. He goes, I can't do that. I do not have the necessary skill set. Moses specifically had a stuttering problem. I don't speak well. You want me to go talk to all them fancy people and I, I don't talk good. And then God says, as he does to Jeremiah, God says, don't worry about it. A, I'm going to be with you. B, here's the power of my name. Uh, C, you have a brother who's way better at talking, and you're going to come up with a plan, and he's going to do the talking, and everything's going to work out great. Think about Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. His main purpose on earth is to die on that cross. And even he has a moment where he goes, hey, God. Uh, I'm not so sure about this calling you have placed in my life. And God says, no, you can do it. And Jesus says, not, your, not my will, but yours be done. I had a professor in seminary, a guy named David Piccini. Uh, David Piccini was on the admissions council for uh, the Candler School of Theology. He had to read everyone's call story, right? In order to get into seminary, you have to submit your call story so they can make sure, hi, I, theological training is for me. And what when he was once teaching in chapel on, I don't remember if it was this story or another story about calling, um, and he went, he looks at us all and goes, you realize you all do this same thing, right? 
that every Candler admissions essay starts with, God spoke to me, and then I said no for whatever reason, and then God reassured me, and here I am. My version of that is God spoke to me. I was late to church, which says a lot about my religious devotion. I'm sitting far away from church, far away from the front. They're consecrating communion. I feel this overwhelming sense that that's what I'm supposed to do with my life. And then I laugh out loud in God's face and go, ha, 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 I don't have the faith for this. After nine months of reassuring by both God and my then-girlfriend, now spouse, here I am. There seems to be something about encountering a calling from God that makes us all feel fundamentally unworthy. The nature of calling, standing in the face of God, for feeling that sense that we need to do something that, is, that we think is far bigger than we are capable of, that is a moment where we feel unworthy. Moses feels unworthy. Jeremiah feels unworthy. I felt unworthy. And that's why these reassurances from God always boil down to the same thing. Don't worry. You don't have to be worthy. I will make you worthy. I will give you what you need. In Jeremiah's case, it is, I will give you the words to say, and I will give you the thickness of hide to survive the slings and arrows of being a prophet, right? That we are given this purpose, and God transforms us into the person that is needed for that purpose. Because Jeremiah, although he starts out young and not a good talker, apparently, goes on to be a tremendous prophet. It's, one of the, it's the second longest book of prophecy in the Bible. He had a lot to say for God and tried to guide God's people if only they would listen. And so as we reflect on calling, and certainly as we reflect on our own calling or lack of feeling that we have a call, that if you are butting up against something you feel like you are supposed to do, and you do not feel worthy of that, that might be discernment that it is not the right thing for you to do. Or it might be exactly what God needs you to do and a sign that you have butted up on the thing that God actually needs you to do. That feeling of unworthiness should not be something that discounts you from seeking and following that thing. It may be exactly how you should feel, staring in the face of the task that God needs you to do. But then you can carry with you the fact that God will be there. God will transform you. God will give you, in Jeremiah's case, the words. In your case, whatever it is that you need. There's this great image in 9 and 10 of the consecration of a prophet. It shows up similarly in Isaiah. But it is this symbol of God, the symbolic moment of God transforming Jeremiah to be the person that God needs him to be. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow to plant and to build. If you are wondering 
what your calling is. I cannot give you the three simple steps to absolutely know that God is talking in your life. It is a great way to sell books, but it's not generally how calling works. But I can give you three suggestions to help you think about and discern and pray through what your calling in life or what your calling in any moment might be. And the first is what we talk to the kids about. It's the same for us. What are your gifts? What are you good at? What are you uniquely good at? And if you think, of it, think to yourself, I am not uniquely good at anything, you are doubting God's ability to put something good within you. It's in there. Think harder. But what are you uniquely good at? The next thing, and this is something I keep running into, what is the good thing you keep ending up doing whether you want to do it or not? For me, this was public speaking. I spent about 10 years of my life attempting to run away from public speaking. I was an actor growing up. Um, I was an onstage personality, go figure. Uh, and then I spent about a 10-year period, a good chunk of my late teens, through my 20s going, no, 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 I'm going to be backstage. I'm going to be the sound tech. I'm going to be a director. I'm going to be a set builder. I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be anything other than the person on stage. And what do I do? I now preach 150 sermons a year, go figure. And so I knew, or I have realized that public speaking is just a part of my calling. I can't get away from it. I should probably stop trying. But think about what is that thing in your life? that you keep ending up doing for others. This is a helpful thing, right? If it's a thing you keep ending up doing that is destructive to you, that's an addiction. The difference is this is something that serves you and serves others, right? There is a difference. There's a lot of things we all can't stop doing. These are the ones that are life-giving to you and others. But what are those things that are life-giving for you and life-giving for others that you keep end up doing, whether you mean, whether you set out to do it or not, whether you actively try to avoid it or not. Think about uh, a mechanic friend of mine that's like, I'm not, I'm going to stop helping fix pe help people fix their cars. It's just, uh, this is not what I'm going to do. And yet every time he's stuck at a, he ends up at a truck stop, someone needs a tire fixed and he fixes it. And he ends up at a gas station and someone needs their battery cable reconnect and they fix it, right? That's probably his calling. He should probably lean into it and celebrate. Maybe it's being a friend. Maybe it's being a leader. Maybe it's being an organizer of people. Maybe it's being a public speaker. Maybe it's being a writer. Maybe it's being in anything. God needs a lot of gifts, and you all got them. But what is that thing that you keep end up doing, whether you try to avoid it or not? And then finally, are you staring down something? Do you feel like you should do something that you feel unworthy of? Someone asked you or something moved in your heart you just go, ah, no, I can't, do, I can't do that. I don't have the skills, faith, ability, whatever. I, no, no, that's, I, I appreciate the, I, I hear this a lot. I appreciate the offer, but that, that's too much. I can't, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worthy of that. Maybe. Or maybe you're like Moses. And like Jeremiah. And like every person that's applied to the Candler School of Theology that actually what you're staring down is your calling from God. And that feeling of unworthiness is because without God, we are unworthy of those things. But by letting God place those things, by saying yes to it, and letting God place those things within us, we are actually transformed into exactly the person that God needs us to be. For Jeremiah, it is 
that image of God placing the words that are not naturally in Jeremiah into Jeremiah. For each of us, that will look different. But if you feel daunted and unworthy of something, it may be simply because you need to let God transform you into the person God needs you to be to do that thing. Without God, none of us are worthy. That's true. But with God, we can accomplish the purpose that God formed us and consecrated us to do. Our role is to not be daunted, not let our feeling of unworthiness overwhelm the fact that God made us for something and God will give us the ability to do that something if we will say yes to it. Having a purpose and seeking that purpose transforms us into the person that can accomplish that purpose. Body in Christ is indeed in the power of God's Spirit that is what we are. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. God made us all. God breathed into all of us the breath of life. May we say yes and let God transform us for a purpose. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Amen.